the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What see I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study, but by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Idolatry was certainly a visible and spiritual reality in the city of Corinth. Today's lesson looks at incompatibility of idolatry and fellowship with God. The only way to guard against idolatry is by faith looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of that faith, putting Christ preeminent in our heart and life. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we might know Him who is true. Idolatry comes in many forms, spiritual, mental, physical, but Knowing Him who is true, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, can keep one from idolatry of every kind. Here's Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the book of Paul to the Corinthian church. And we're in chapter 10. We were closing in our last lesson with verse 13 of chapter 10. Uh, after warning them concerning pride and so on, he goes on to say, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tested above that you are able, but will with the testing also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. In other words, if you're wise, you know what I'm saying is true. And we were discussing in our last lesson that all temptations were, is common to man. You don't have an experience that somebody else hasn't had the same experience. They're common. In fact, if you think you've had a hard experience, there are many others who have worse experience than you do. 
But whatever the experience may be, remember that God is with you in the test, will bring you through the test. And your faith, instead of being destroyed by the test, will be purified by the test. Your faith becomes strong. As Paul could say, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and so on. Or as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 6 to 8, that the trial of our faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with the fire, might be found unto honor and glory and praise at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, we love. And we give you illustrations of this from, from the Gospels where our Lord was in a storm with his disciples and he was asleep. <laughs> and you know, sometimes you and I go through times of testing and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray in Jesus' name and there seems to be no answer as if God were asleep. No, my friend, he's with you. He knows all about it. He knows every detail of you as well as your test. And you remember he stood up and we rebuked the storm. And may I add, he rebuked the disciples because of their unbelief. Again, may I remind you that unbelief is the product of an evil heart. May the Lord grant to you and to me, whatever the test and trial of life may be, we recognize the Lord is with us in the test. He'll bring us through the test. Now I was going to say too at the close of our last lesson, sometimes we have to run away from from temptation, if I can use that word now. I remember dealing with an alcoholic at one time and uh, discussed with him his, his situation. Dear man, he came and talked to me. We had time together and prayed together. And I, I advised him to get down into the Word of God. He professed to accept the Savior before this, but for some reason or other, he couldn't get delivered from his alcoholism. And I said, the word of God said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And I can give a few further suggestions to him, and he went back. Four or five days afterwards, he came in to see me. In fact, it was nearly a week after he came back to see me. And when he came into my, and I saw him, sat down with him, I knew that he still had been drinking, and I said to him, have you been reading the Bible? He said, yes. And you were not delivered? And then he made an amazing statement. He said, Mr. Mitchell, don't blame God. I went four or five days without a drink, the first time in 32 years. That's what happened. And I had neglected to tell him to keep out of the way of temptation. Sometimes you've got to run away from it. You know, we're not all strong. And if I have a weakness, and if you have a weakness, and you know it, keep out of the way of temptation. So I said to him, what happened? Well, I said on my way to work, the three of us, we always used to stop in, in the grog shop and get a drink before we went to the office. And I haven't been doing that for the last four or five days with my two friends. But on Friday, they said to me, now look at here, we were so thankful you're on the water wagon because they knew what he had gone through, what was happening at his home, so on. But, you know, we're still friends. Come on and have a Coke with us. Have a seven up. So he went into the grog shop with them. The moment he smelled that whiskey, he was gone. 
And I, all I had to say to him was, well, remember, you've already had an experience of deliverance by God. Now keep out of the way of temptation. If you have to run, then run. See, one could use many illustrations of this, but I would say this. In this precious verse, there hath no temptation overtaken you, but such as come unto man. But God is faithful, even sometimes when you have to run. If you've got a, a weakness, and you know you have a weakness, don't put yourself in the way of temptation. But sure as my name is Mitchell, you'll fail. Unless God really puts it upon your heart to be there to help somebody else. That's all I'm going to say about it. But I do know that if you're a Christian, you love the Savior, you're going to be tested and tried. Sometimes you say to the limit. How often I've heard people say, if it had gone one more day, I couldn't, have stand, I couldn't have stood it. Well, he didn't have the one day, did he? He knows just how much you can stand. And again, I say, he's not only with you in the test, he'll bring you through the test and your faith will be purified by the test. Never destroyed, but purified. Now, one more thing before I go any further. In verses 14 and 15, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Yet remember in verse 7, Let us not be idolaters as the Israelites were, which you find in Exodus 32. They went back to the gods they knew in Egypt. They would try to make an image of God, not another God. They were not setting up another God as such. In fact, even Aaron said in Exodus 32, These be thy gods, O Israel, who brought thee out of the land of Egypt. They wanted something to see, something to experience, like a lot of folk today. They can't feel something, can't see something. They say, well, I guess I don't have any faith. You take the word of God. My friend, when your experiences have gone, the word of God will still be here. And faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now he says, though you have testings and trials and tribulations, flee from idolatry. Anything that takes the place of Christ in your affection and devotion, get rid of it, becomes your idol. I mentioned this when we were up there in verse 7, but I mentioned again the great desire of the Apostle Paul that the Lord Jesus should be preeminent. You know, there's a verse over the last verse of the epistle of John chapter 5. And by the way, this was the last, as far as I know, this was the last verse written in the Bible, these last two verses. I'm going to read three verses. The last three verses in the epistle of John. The epistle of John was written, by the way, after the book of Revelation. Revelation was written by John on the Isle of Patmos, and I understand from church history that he came to Ephesus, became the pastor of the church at Ephesus, and here's where he wrote the epistle of John, the last, as far as we know, the last epistle written. We know, says John, that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know, mark this verse, we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. My little children, 
Keep yourselves from idols. The first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The last verse written in the Bible, little children, keep yourselves from idols. We know the Son of God is come and hath given to us an understanding that we may know him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Which leads us into the next division of Corinthians chapter 10. From verses 16 to 22. 16 to 22. Now remember, he is dealing, Paul is dealing with problems in the church at Corinth. And I would suggest that in chapter 8, he has mentioned in chapter 8 this question of, of responsibility to the brethren, where love edifies. You see, you remember that passage, knowledge puffeth up. Uh, knowledge by itself produces pride and envy. But love edifies. What is my responsibility to my brethren. We had that in chapter 8. Now, he kind of picks it up again here in chapter 10. He's dealing with the church, remember. Especially does he have the weaker brother in mind. Then he had his own, his own example in chapter 9. Uh, the example of Israel who abused their privileges in Christ. Now, what about us? And it brings us down to the Lord's table. Now, when we come to chapter 11, from verse 23 on down through verse 33, in those 11 verses, in chapter 11, we'll take up a few things concerning the Lord's table. But he brings it up here in chapter 10. Let me read it. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of of the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What see I then? What shall I say? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice... They sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Think of that. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Now, let me just stop here for a few moments. Now, I'm not going to take too much time on this. But he's coming now again, and the background of Paul's mind is this issue in the Corinthian church. Let me repeat it to you from chapter 8. Some of these Corinthian believers could take meat offered to idols and eat it, as far as they were concerned, from their knowledge of things, the idol is nothing. 
Uh, the altar is nothing. The, the, the flesh is nothing. The meat is nothing. Because we don't believe that the idols are gods. They're just made of stone and whatever, whatever it is. There's no life there. There's no personality there and so on. But there were other Christians at Corinth who had a conscience concerning this. That if they eat the meat, if they bought the meat in the marketplace that had been offered to idols, they felt that if they ate that meat, they were having fellowship, relationship to the idol to whom the meat had been offered. And you remember in chapter 8, Paul says, if I eat meat and it offends my brother, I'm not going to eat meat as long as the world standeth. Now he picks it up again. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Now he meets our same truth on this ground when we come to the Lord's table. The cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Can I change that word communion? The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the fellowship of the blood of Christ? We think now of the redemption we have in him. All believers, strong and weak, old or young, mature or immature, were all redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. The bread which we break, is it not the communion, the fellowship of the body of Christ? All believers are one in Christ. And when we meet at the Lord's table, we're showing forth the fact that we're partakers. We belong to the same body. Every believer is in fellowship or has the same relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and rose again. There should be no divisions among God's people. In fact, I'm sorry to say today, there are so many divisions that if you don't believe what a certain group believes, you, they look upon you as an enemy of the church of Christ. I'm sorry to say this, but it's true. Now, I'm a stickler for truth. I don't believe in compromising the truth of God. But I must recognize there are a lot of people who don't agree with Mitchell in doctrine, but sincerely love the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never been taught, possibly, the things that you know or I know. They may never have had the opportunity of being instructed in the things of Christ as you know them or maybe as I know them, then shall I be opposed to them? Shall I cut them off? This is what Paul's talking about. Shall I cut off these brethren who when they eat the bread or eat the flesh from the shambles, to them it's a conscience, a thing of conscience. They can't eat that flesh because it's coupled with idols. Somebody says, well, they're just legalistic. No, it's not a question of legalism. It's not a question of legalism. That's a misconception of what legalism is. These people love the Savior, and they have a conscience concerning things. There are many things I can do, and I love the Savior, and I love the people of God. Many things I don't do because I don't want to be a hindrance or a stumbling block for some other young Christian or untaught Christian. 
I'm willing to sacrifice, if necessary, things that I think are all right. I'm not going to be a stumbling stone in the presence of my brother. Why? Because I belong to the same Savior. I belong to the same body. This is what Paul's talking about. This question. And we being many are one bread, one body. We're all partakers of the same life-giving bread, redeemed by the blood of Christ. And the bread speaks of the life-giving life-satisfying that we have in Christ Jesus. He goes on in verses 21 and 22, 20, 20, 21, 22. The Gentiles, they sacrifice to demons. Then he goes on to talk about the fact, shall we have fellowship with that which belongs to demons? You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. There are two tables, the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. And to eat things offered to idols. And the strong intermission here is, is to partake of the communion, the fellowship of demons. Now in chapter 8, Paul says, okay, you can eat the meat if that's the way you feel about it. But let me remind you, there are others who have a conscience in this matter. And I'm not going to be a stumbling block. And to eat things offered to idols, says Paul, is to partake of the communion of demons. There are just two tables, the table of the Lord, the table of demons. And the sad thing today, we see divisions among God's people, oftentimes over trivial things. I see sometimes churches divided, split up, not on the ground of their love for the Savior or their love for truth, but divided on personalities. May the Lord deliver us from that sort of a thing. Oh, the need today to recognize every really, really, every person who really loves the Savior and trusting Him, He's my brother, she's my sister. I'm reminded of that verse in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 15, where Paul says to the Galatian church, Take heed. When there are divisions and fightings, take heed lest you be consumed one of another. And I recognize this fact. I remember many, many years ago having Bible conferences in churches in certain parts of our land, large churches where they had a wonderful testimony for God. And today, you can't find them. They're split up into half a dozen groups. They've gone hither and yon. They won't even talk to each other. And their ground is we can't compromise there's no love. They've got a baseball bat in their hand. I'm just pleading today that those of us who love the Savior should love every other believer. I may not agree with a lot of things he may do or say, but if he genuinely loves the Savior, he's my brother, she's my sister. We belong to the same body. That's why Paul says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the fellowship of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the fellowship of the body of Christ? We being many are one bread and one body. I'm just saying this. Every believer has been redeemed and belongs to the Savior and belongs to the body of Christ. Some are babes in Christ and need to be fed milk. There are others who have been on the road for many, many years. And as Paul said to them, 
I'd like to talk to you as those who are mature, but I must talk to you as babes in Christ. When for the time you ought to be teachers, you have needed someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and so on. But he recognized them as members of the body of Christ. And when we start in verses 23 to 33, you will notice he takes up there about considering the other man's conscience. And we're going to take it up in our next lesson from verse 23 right down to the first verse of chapter 11. And take the first verse and add it to the 33rd verse of the preceding chapter and make it one thing. From verse, from verse 23 to verse 33, we'll take it up. How shall I act? How shall I live? In view of my brother who loves the Savior, but may not be set free from some things that you have been set free. May God grant to us, we'll so walk before the Lord whom we love. We'll manifest love to our brothers, manifesting our love for the Savior by obedience to his word, but manifesting love for the brother, if necessary, by sacrifice. May the Lord bless you today for his wonderful namesake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.